Hi everyone, and welcome to the Whiteboard Podcast. Whiteboard is a podcast that invites recent design grads to be candid about their experience in design education and building their career in creative industries. We are also visited by industry professionals willing to share their wisdom on getting started in creative advertising and the related fields. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of the Whiteboard Podcast. We're lucky today to be joined by James Coburn. James has 25 years of experience in search with a focus on advertising and marketing. Welcome, James. Well, uh, welcome, Eric. (laughs) It's nice to be here with you. Thank you. Uh, We're really lucky that you're joining because you probably know so much about what goes on in this industry. But I'm wondering if maybe you can help us understand what it means to work in search, what your roles have been uh, over the years. You know, people say executive search consultants, Uh, The truth is we're headhunters. That's what we do. Hiring and recruiting and, you know, digging and casting wide for great talent. Most of the work that I I do is in advertising um, at Mandrake in marketing communications. And we do finance search and technology search and many other categories, manufacturing But headhunters tend to have a discipline. So in my case, I've focused on advertising and marketing. In terms of clients that we've worked with, you know, they they may need a mid-level art director, a junior art director, a senior copywriter, a creative director, an executive creative director, a chief creative officer. Um, So we do from junior to senior, we may hire an executive creative director for an agency like BBDO, but, you know, when they need to hire a couple of teams or a new designer or a junior designer, we're always excited when they call and say, hey, now we need a junior team. Can you show me some junior teams? So it's, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to help these companies because talent is always very difficult to find. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of a lot of juniors, uh, a lot of graduates are kind of wondering how to get. Maybe not on your radar, but how to get on the radar for anyone who's involved in search. Um, and then once they are on the radar, what are you looking for? What stands out to you? Whether that's in a portfolio or a resume or an interview. It's it's a good question. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't really aware of headhunters. And they might think, oh, I'm I'm too green. I, I I don't have experience that I bring to the table. But if you're looking for a, a job in advertising and you're doing your networking and you're, you know, you've got a few leads and you're on LinkedIn and you're checking out different agencies that you could apply to. Well, of course you do that. If you reach out to a headhunter and saying, Hey, I'm a student, I need an internship or I need my first job, really would appreciate being able to send you my portfolio. And, you know, certainly if anything comes up where you're looking for somebody more junior, um, I'd even love to grab a coffee with you. Um, Certainly do a Zoom with the individual. And if you don't ask, they're not going to find you unless, you know, they're searching through schools. But you know, sometime I'll get referrals from an instructor, from a prof who who says, here's a couple of great students. But generally, if you reach out to a search firm, if, if you send me a note and say, hey, I'm graduating in six months, um, I'll look at your book. And so to answer your question in terms of what we look for 
to evaluate. Yes, you need your resume or your LinkedIn profile, probably both. But what we're really looking for is to, to look at your book. You know, that's what creative directors want to see. Like before they see who you are or what your personality is, it's just let me see the person's thinking. And so when they look at your link or to your website, it really should be as simple as possible. It's it's a couple of ideas. It's what are you most proud of? And I'll tell you, and you understand this, of course, Eric, and, and you teach this, but at the end of the day, you know, you're only as good as your worst idea. So if you only have three ideas in your in your link, then that's okay. If you put in seven and four of them are average, you're killing yourself because a creative director will just go next. Like you want to keep it simple and really put in your very best couple of pieces. Um, you know, you might have a hobby. You may do photography. You may do, you know, illustration. Um, you may be into photography or, or, or pottery. I mean, you can have another section of your site that says, oh, and other stuff I do. And, and then we get to tap in and see, oh, this copywriter is actually a painter as well. And executive creative directors who are hiring today and more so today than ever are looking for people that can bring some different assets to the table. Really forget about the word assets. It's more what hobbies do you have? What, what additional texture are you bringing to your to who you are as a creative person. So you may be a copywriter, but if you're also doing photography or you're into music, just think how that can be an asset when you are shooting something to deadline, you're covering an event, you're, you've, you're launching a product and we need some social media content. Well, guess what? This guy can shoot with his camera. In the moment on the day when they're shooting something, hopefully that team that's shooting that has a little more uh, conceptual you know, ability to frame a shot. And so in other words, what I'm really saying is that you may be you know, a young copywriter trying to get your first job, but don't underestimate some of those other hobbies you have because the creative directors will love to hear that. Today, you got to be kind of jack of all trades it, you know going back to your portfolio or what's on your site uh you need to put good clean ideas in there clean being you know good smart ideas i i'll give you i'll say one other thing about your site don't try to be funny you know is may, maybe it's not funny well then you're really hurting yourself because if you're a copywriter and i see three good things on your site you don't necessarily have to, you know, kind of put in a front page of, well, here's who I am. Uh, if you know what I mean, like a lot of people tend to kind of add too much and it sounds a bit tricky. It sound becomes a bit too just trying to be funny and you don't need to be funny. You just need to be show good work and let them be really intrigued to reach out to you by saying less. I think I read you. Um, if you're using humor, it can't be a mask. It has to be purposeful and, and genuine. I have a friend, Ekene Oda, and he actually is funny. And on his website, he describes himself as two cups art director, one and a half cups designer, six years experience, mix well. 
And when you click on that area of his book, it brings you to his favorite recipes. And to me, that actually is funny. Um, but it's also informative. It tells a story about him, what he does at work, what he's like at home, what he's like to work with. Um, it's genuine, and that makes it believable and helpful. Um, and it's a story uh, about him, just a tiny little story that we can use to decide, you know what? I, I want to meet this guy. And that is funny. Like, I yeah. already love that. I've never even seen somebody present it that way. Like, I'm one part copy, yeah. two parts art director. What people want to hear, if it's a creative director or an HR director or a headhunter who's trying to evaluate who is this person and what's their work like, they want to hear your voice. And so when that person, you're talking about that creative who said, you know, I'm three parts art director, one part writer kind of thing. Like that already, I'm hearing a voice of somebody that's not taking it too seriously. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to let you know I'm a writer and I also have an art director strength as well. And so I'm hearing that voice versus somebody trying to be a bit tricky. I guess it's common for juniors to see something that, like that or read something like that and think, oh, wow, that's awesome. You know, I want to do that for myself. Um, I want that little statement that really sells me, but they don't put the time in, they don't put the effort in, and it just comes off as boilerplate or disingenuous and and even generic. Take a blank piece of paper and take a quiet moment with a coffee to go, how can I kind of share who I am? Like, what what can I really say to introduce myself? And maybe it's just your beautiful name, you know, in bold or, or, or very simple, uh, you know, type. And, and we go, that's good. That's, that's, you know, that feels like a good clean design. And then the next click, we get to see your three or four pieces. And then we see a phone number and <laughs> love to hear from you, whatever. Um, that simplicity goes a long way because it, it, they do not have time to try to dig through a bunch of stuff to get to your work. When when people dump a lot of digital stuff on, it may be beautiful digital content. That's perfect. But if it's if you've done a bunch of stuff for uh, an app, and I open up the page and I see a bit bunch of mobile phones with you know small images, it it's just like I'm not seeing an idea. So maybe you need to put one phone with a big idea. We don't need to see your 16 different, you know, progressions of the, what that app does. Um, yes, maybe it's a digital problem you're solving, but let, let's see the hero. Let's, let's see the main highlight of what that app is or what the design of the app is. Um, and don't bore us with 16 mobile images. It's just like, who wants to look at that? It might be worth uh, noting the distinction between uh, if you're making a application for a creative advertising or an art direction role versus a designer role or a UX role or a web design role. In those cases, maybe you do want the, that kind of depth on a single case study. Um, you know, because if I just see the one opening page like I have no idea about whether or not you can design more and how's your margin and padding how's your font hierarchy how's your grid how's your proportions if you're if you're going for a designer role 
you actually may need to see that. So um, I think we're mostly talking here about um, creative advertising roles, which are a little bit different. Um, I think, James, what you're getting at is for the creative advertising folks, if you're designing some kind of, of, of web ex execution, the main thing is that the idea is present. And um, this, this whole notion of idea, I feel like is something that's really tricky to articulate. And I'm hoping maybe we can do a little bit of that right now. So what does it mean to spot an idea? How do you know if you are seeing an idea? That's uh, maybe the best question I've heard in my life, Eric. Um, no, no, that's really good. Seriously. Whoa. No, 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 no. It's, it's really great. Um, the one word that comes to mind is simply the word story. Um, and you can appreciate what that is. I mean, if it's good design and we get a sense of what the product is or the service is or the company is, um, it's like, it's, it, it, it doesn't need a bunch of words because it's, it's so clear and well thought out. It's a hard thing to teach. Like for you, when you're teaching, helping people get to a creative idea concept, how do you sum that up to a student? Well, I, I confess that sometimes I struggle to do that well, uh, which is one reason why I always ask others how, how they would do it. Um, but I agree that the idea is what emerges from the story of the visual. Um, so beside me right now is my cat. He looks like he was poured into this giant pillow beside me. And he's right here and he has been all morning. That's a story of coffee on a cold morning. And the ideas in it are happiness, relaxation, friendship, and, and trust. Um, and you can see that in the visual. Uh, but, but strong brands use the exact same technique of using visual storytelling to communicate the ideas which they want their brand associated with all the time. They never stop doing this. So like, for example, everything about the visual execution of Nike is meant to communicate ideas like power and potential. So just recently, the homepage hero image for Nike.com it was the image of a pregnant woman in workout gear. And what could make a more clear story about the two ideas of power and potential than that exact image? Well, that's that's uh, very good of you to share that. I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I had spent a couple of years working in broadcast. I, I worked for City TV with my twin brother, and we did entertainment news. Uh, for Moses Neimer, who was a real visionary who started City TV. So as a young reporter doing the entertainment beat, and you have to focus in on a very simple word, which is what's the why? What is the reason we're shooting this story? What, what do we want the consumer? What do they really care about that certain story? Like, as a reporter, you've got to look at it and go creatively. You've got to go, what's the why? What's the focus? And therefore, what are the questions to tell that quick story in like 40 seconds, whatever? So if we relate the why to a design, um, I, I really don't see enough why being successfully done in, in a lot of creative work. Whatever business you're in, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's cheesecake it's a new cheesecake brand you've got to come up with the box and the logo but you can ask yourself 
What's the why behind, you know, the world of cheesecake? Uh, oh, the company makes New York cheesecakes. When did New York cheesecakes first get created in 1922 or whatever the year is? And where was that in New York? Oh, it actually was Philadelphia. Why was it called New York cheesecake? And you find out the real reason it was called New York cheesecake and who first created the New York cheesecake and who was that wonderful woman on in the Bowery of New York who created the cheesecake. And it was 1822 when the first cheesecake hit New York. And therefore, you might actually decide, well, we're calling the company 1822 Cheesecake. And you have a reason and a why. Tell me that's not going to influence and motivate and excite you to now come up with ideas for color and the palette and the tone of the box, because you're probably going to be looking at the 1822 store in New York and taking some color from that from that store, from that kitchen, from that woman, from her apron. <laughs> and then when you create that box and you have that idea around 1822 cheesecake, What's beautiful about the truth behind that is that when you tell your customers in the little blurb about it, just imagine the copy that can come out of that now. Now we need to market it. Now we need to get media attention. Well, when you reach out to, to the media to cover the launch of this new cheesecake company or you want to get some good social media content the content can actually be real and interesting because you're not making crap up you're actually telling a story you're saying well you know these two women decided to create this company because they love cheesecake and thought why don't we develop our own but we really looked at the history of cheesecake, and that's why we called it that, because of New York cheesecake in the 1822. So ultimately, the media can actually do a story about you because it has some rich texture, not just rich in sugar and cream. But anyway, to shut up now, that all came from the why. Where's some truth in this? Um, and that I don't see enough. Um, because often when I'll sort of ask somebody, so how did you come up with this and why did you go in this direction? And I often kind of get a blank face. It's like, um, you have to have something to say about the work. It can't just be, I use blue because I like blue. There needs to be a story about blue, that shade of blue, and it has to be rooted in some kind of truth. Um, so, so I guess there we go again with, with genuine, which reminds me. You know, Zulu Alpha Kilo, they did that campaign for Pizza Pizza just recently. And they tell the story of the rising cost of living, rising interest rates, rising food prices, rising housing prices. And in the ad, Pizza Pizza makes the promise that they will not increase the cost of a four-topping extra-large pizza for one year. And they use the same language as banks, like, like get approved and lock in a fixed rate today. Um, and so the idea is it's fixed rate pizza. Um, and that comes from a true story responding to people's anxieties. Um, it's a cheeky idea, but it's powerful because it's so genuine. Now, on the other side of the coin, you might remember Loblaws and No Frills. They just ran the exact same, cam same campaign. All of their no-name products were locked in, I think, from October to January. But instead of people celebrating that promise, they hated it because No-Name had already just raised their prices. And it just didn't seem genuine. 
um, instead of an idea about a fixed rate story, people heard a story of a grocery store that raised their prices once and said, get ready for us to do it again in three months. And that's not the idea they wanted because the story wasn't, uh, wasn't genuine. That's good. Yeah. And so I guess the lesson is we need to be able to talk about our own work in this way. We need to make work that can be talked about in this way. And that's what people are going to notice. Um, so your, your two or three top pieces have to be stories with ideas that you could have a conversation about, like the one we're having now. I hope that clears out what makes a good portfolio and how you can engage with your employers or your prospective employers portfolio during an interview. And I'm thinking maybe now we can move on to to resumes, James. So um, what do you think of resumes? Do we still do we still need them? The LinkedIn profile really does say it all. Um, some some HR pros will still want to see more of a formal resume. And if they ask for it, like you should have it ready to go. Um, so I guess the answer is, yes, you should still do a resume. Um, usually if they've looked at your LinkedIn and they, they like the presentation there and they've clicked on your, your portfolio and they like some ideas there, it's like, well, we should talk to this person and I'm going to share the LinkedIn profile with my creative director, make sure that that the, the CD likes the work of the student. And uh, then let's have a Zoom with that particular person to, to meet them and see who they are. With the resume, though, what's really happening is they, they like what they see on LinkedIn. And now as a second stage, you know, get to second base, they click on your resume after they've looked at your portfolio, likely. And um, we see a little bit of texture that Eric has got these hobbies and you love cats, whatever it is. But if we see some of your interests within the resume, that's often adding more voice to who you are. So it's okay to put some of those other hobbies because that just makes you a more interesting human being. And if you say you love to cook, then be specific. I love to do I actually do Thai cooking and, you know, I, I had a trip to Italy. I, I you know, I, I'm, I, I love to do my best pasta. If you add a little bit of that texture over 25 years, just imagine looking at thousands of resumes that I have. Trust me, I get more, more of a kick out of somebody saying, here's what I read. Here's what I love to eat. Here's where, you know, I've traveled and, or, you know, here's where I've done my, you know, I, my hobbies, photography. So a little bit of color, because again, I'm just hearing who you are as a human being, because we tend to hire human beings. And if your work looks good and at the end of the day, fit is everything. So I guess to answer, it's a long answer, but yeah, you should still have a resume that that tells a bit more about who you are. No, that thank you. That's a great answer. You know, especially because juniors often don't have much experience. So it's like, well, what else do I put? Sometimes I'll like kind of advise students to make their hobbies work, phrase things in a way that make them, let's say, employable. So like if you were on the soccer team, but you were captain, maybe that means you demonstrate leadership ability. Is that something that it's worth it, like using it for more than just texture and using it as an employability achievement. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
I don't necessarily even care if they were the captain of the soccer team, but if they put in that they were, you know, midfield, whatever, goalie, it's showing that you put in your best effort. You know, I, you know, I love sport because it's, it's competitive. So that kind of color is also says something about who you are. I'll go back to the LinkedIn page for a second, because the one image I'm coming up with when I think of a LinkedIn page is who you are in terms of your photograph. And a lot of creative people will put instead of a photo, it might be a simple color of pink or it's a you know kind of a funky image um i don't mind that but again it better be good um and maybe there's a reason behind it but i really have to say obviously for photographs i mean that's the best thing for hr or creative director or for a headhunter to be seen who you are because in one photo trust me we do judge based on fit because, you know, we're just human beings. So you want to take a decent shot and don't complicate it with having somebody's arm over your shoulders, you know, or you're sort of turned sideways looking into the sun. It's, hey, maybe that's actually a nice shot. But as long as we have a good sense of tone of who you are, but my God, like take the shot for five seconds outside with your friend as you kind of sit down relaxed at a table. Just give us a human nice image of who you are. Yeah. I I, I just don't understand why people put up such ridiculous it it's like it's out of focus. They're yeah. drinking, you know. You don't need a bar behind you when you put up your face, when you put up your image. It's not Tinder. No, no, it's not. No, <laughs> It's not Tinder. You know what, but I think I just distracted from something you were saying, which is, which is more important. And this falls under being genuine, once again. It's that your portfolio image, whatever it is, cannot give any indication of appearing like a lazy effort. That means if it's a close crop done in Photoshop, the edges have to be so perfect that I can't tell it was cropped. If it's a drawing, it needs to be unique and expressive. Um, if it's a color or a pattern, then there has to be a clear why as to you know why you've done that. It can't just be, I didn't want to take a photo, so I put a color. And if it is a photo, it can't give party or mirror selfie vibes at all. And that's because you are being judged by this photo. And it's not exactly that your design talents in producing a professional portfolio image are being judged. It's more like the employer is saying, if this person can't give that any effort, how can I expect them to give me any effort? And, and it really doesn't even take that much effort. You know, wait for a bright overcast day, find a nice backdrop or two, and ask a friend to take some photos with their phone. There's more possibilities to orchestrate an amazing portfolio um, image, but you know, it really can be that easy to get something that is fine, that, that doesn't create doubt in the employer's mind that you uh, have it together and that you can produce for them. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. And and listen, um, again, creatively, it can be an illustration of you. Uh, you know, you can do such magic at, at adjusting a photo that, you know, maybe it looks a bit Andy Warhol-ish, but that's fantastic. Like, oh my God, somebody, I get a sense of who this person is. Mm -hmm. um, 
But uh, anyway, it, yeah, the, you, you want to keep that simple. And you don't need a shot where, you, you know, you've got eight things around you. Like, give, give us a little bit of a tighter shot of who you are, not not you know your whole body standing by a tree out by the lake where right. we where we see the boats behind you you know <laughs> yeah yeah speaking of getting a sense of who people are um we encourage students to write what we call a brand statement but it's really just uh you know a sentence or two that may appear on a resume but definitely on your linkedin that says something about you so so mine is um I'm a digital creative who still has a little bit of ink and a little bit of dirt under his fingernails. That kind of thing. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I like that, like that because it's it's you're kind of having fun with it. Uh, it's also truthful because you really do design and you like to get your hands dirty, and and so you're sort of having a bit of fun with it. Um, and and that that sounds really good. Like I I, I like that. I, I, sorry. So the question is what? Sorry. Uh, the question is, should we be encouraging students to produce that kind of brand statement, whether it's on their resume or on their LinkedIn? I guess our motivation for encouraging that is to add more of this texture. But of course, the danger is that it doesn't come off as genuine because, you know, some people will write, I'm a results driven, uh, motivated, interdisciplinary designer who is a avid team player with an interest in emerging technologies and cutting edge of, you know, outcomes kind of. And, and, and I'm a people person. I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, look at, it's a very good point. That profile, which has been a typical standard thing on a resume forever, where, you know, people do write all that stuff. You need to lose that for sure. But again, what you can put is that one line and maybe it's two sentences or maybe it's three words. Think about it from the perspective that we want to hear your voice in terms of who you are. So when you said to me, you know, I, I, I like to get, you know, some dirt under my fingernails and some some ink on my hands. I actually hear I get I if I'm looking at that on a LinkedIn and I read that. I already get a sense of Eric. I've never met you, never seen you. It just felt like, oh, okay, the guy, the guy likes to roll up his sleeves. He works hard. He, he's he's a humble guy. He's not trying to be, you know, Van Gogh here. It's just he 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 loves the craft. And I want to talk to you now. And honestly, and so if that line was, I may not be Van Gogh, but I sure get ink under my hands because I, I put the effort in, whatever. It's it's humble, it's simple. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know that you're detailed and organized and you're a team player and you're a people person. Everybody under the sun is that, and they should be because we all are humans. Th that little profile to kind of give a header as to who you are does help because if we can hear your voice, uh, we become more intrigued to want to reach out and actually meet you. I guess it's kind of like the should you be should you be funny thing. Like, well, the genuineness of these statements are probably what make them are a measure of whether or not they're appropriate. Yeah. And and I always recommend that, again, you take the, the hour and the blank piece of paper and, and your pen and a coffee and you work at writing that one or two lines about yourself. Um, and it's it's such a great 
little moment to take to to get that sort of highlight of how you can describe yourself because that can also go you know that could go as you could add that to your linkedin you can add that to your resume when you've worked that out even when you're being interviewed it will come out not as a line but you can be halfway through your interview and say look at at the end of the day i i just I, I love to get my hands dirty, you know, like I'm a, a guy that really puts in the time and knows that ideas don't come easy and they don't for me either. They do when I put a lot of hours in because that's what it takes. In other words, you've worked out kind of a line or two to describe yourself, but that homework, you can use it later when you're talking to people about your work or you've, you've got a little more texture as to who you are as a creative and and why you're different and why you might like to work with me. What I think I'm hearing is that this is an opportunity to storytell about the idea of yourself. Um, there's, a, there's a tool in storytelling called bookending, and that's when the author starts and ends the story in the same place to wrap it up and make the arc memorable. So if this one or two lines is the opening of your story to the employer, and then the interview process is the guts of the story, when the guts bear out the opening, because they're genuine, you can allude back to that opener at the end of the interview, and, and you bookend yourself into a complete, memorable story with an idea behind it. And, and that will make you something that sticks. Yeah. Learning that I could control the job interview narrative in my favor, that I could literally like write that story, I could take control of it, is something that I didn't learn until later on. Uh, I wish I'd have known it sooner. But I mean, I guess this is not news to you because you, this is your job and, and you do lots and lots of, of interviews um, in many different ways. We, we certainly uh, meet candidates. So when we put, you know, five, six, seven people forward, we've met each of them. I've met them on Zoom or I've met them for a coffee because, I mean, that's my job is to really find good talent. But it also comes down to how are they as an individual from a fit perspective. So we can then genuinely put those six people forward to the client, you know, to the creative directors so they can review, you know, those six uh, portfolio sites and those six resumes and then they come back and go I'd like to meet these four where we add value as well is and that's why it's great to meet headhunters is because that once they get to know that Eric likes to get his fingers dirty and does other things aside from working full-time at Humber, you know, you actually do graphic design. You actually do real work at Canadian Tire where you're designing stuff. So I can say these are some of the other things Eric does in addition to his job. And th that's where they be, oh, oh, he actually does that as well. Oh, he teaches part-time here. He has an additional job over here. Um, and he also, you know, um, loves cats, <laughs> but, yeah. but, and, and all that does, which helps the creative director is, um, they have a better sense of who you are before they've even, even met you. And really we're just saving them time so that when they meet you, they're not wasting your time that you're not on brief. You know, you're affordable, you're in the right price bracket, you've got the right level of experience, you're a good guy, you're a detailed guy, you work hard. 
So that that's where a headhunter, by the way, can obviously help you as a candidate because we understand that you may be a young designer, but you did spend time in Copenhagen and you you love the tone of that country and you developed your palette in some of your design sense from being in Europe and um, you've just come back and you just graduated and you're really excited about your first job. So by putting that little brief together in an email to a client, they're actually really looking forward to meeting that person, you know, right. because they like your work and let me hear more about who you are. Just from saying all that, it, you can also understand why some of those additional interests that you have are important to put on your resume. So we understand who you are as a whole, uh, because we're not just hiring somebody to pick up a pen or do, you know, uh, design online. It's we're hiring a real person that needs to fit with our team. Flush people out and get that story and that room for connections, build space for an opportunity for connections and interest. Yes, for sure. You know, I, I, I got to say, yeah, recruiters do a lot. Um, I, I work with a recruiter and ever since I've built trust with this recruiter by performing for the clients that hired that recruiter, it always calls me every, every little thing. Like it's a, it's a three day job. Okay, cool. It's a three month job. Awesome. So they will think of you and they will remember you and they will uh, help you if you can get on a recruiter's radar. Yeah, that's, that's really good to hear. I mean, over 25 years, there's, there's some people I've placed three times. You know, you, you have that relationship. And, and when I talk to my client, I can say, hey, three years ago, I, I placed Eric. And they automatically go, well, that's great. You, you trust and know this person. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really helpful to get on the radar with a headhunter. And one thing I'll just mention that in terms of helping a headhunter, give them a couple of referrals. They, you can say, well, I know this great person over at Juniper Park or somebody over at Wonderman, or I used to work with this girl who's now at FCB. And, um, and, and so, you know, referring one or two people to a headhunter, it doesn't mean that person's necessarily the right person, but you're at least trying to help them um, we, we really appreciate that because, you know, we're always trying to dig for more people. And so if you know somebody that we've never met before and you say, well, they're actually not at an ad agency, they're over at this, this small sport company, but, um, you know, they'd love to work agency side. So it's, we, we actually get a lot of our leads from referrals, obviously, like Eric may not be interested to leave, but you give me two names and, and, you know, that's how we get our work done, but, and, and keep in touch with a headhunter as well. We may not be able to help you at this point because we don't have a job for you, but if you've talked to me and we've invested some time to have a conversation to zoom some emails back and forth, well, two months from now, when you land the job at, you know, at, uh, at, at, you know, Juniper park or TBWA, I mean, you can send me a note and say, hey, I landed at TBWA. I'm an art director. I'm working on, you know, this financial account or this food account. Um, and I then update my file that you're now at, you know, TBWA and, and we can keep in touch. So 
try to uh, headhunter never minds if you simply send them the odd note to keep updated james this is such great advice uh it's advice i wish i had earlier in in my career yeah me too everyone always talks about the importance of building and maintaining a network but not many people can actually tell you how to do that and here you come with all these tips contact a recruiter keep them updated about your work status refer your colleagues and and man is that is that ever underrated and under accessed form of network building referring someone or pointing someone in a direction meaningfully uh, is not something anyone will forget and people will start to think of you and things will come to you uh, you do need to keep feeding this networking machine and it, that does take effort uh, but it will pay dividends and i just don't think people start doing that soon enough in their careers um you know, a junior can recommend another junior. Someone else in an earlier podcast called it sideways networking. And uh, it's just super underrated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> when we ask for leads for somebody, they sometimes think we're asking for people who are ready to move. They'll often say, I don't know anybody right now. I don't have any friends that are looking to move. And I'll say, it's okay. I'm not, I don't care if they're not ready to move. But if they're in the industry and they're doing good work and they're at a good agency, I'd still like to talk to them because it's who they know. So yeah. I might say, no, I'm, I don't care if they're looking or not. I, if you have a, another copywriter friend of yours that's, that's working at you know, Zulu, I'd love to call that person and say, who do you know? Because they'll have peers that they went to school with who are now at another agency or looking. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really uh, and and it's a small industry, as you know. It's it's very tight. Um, I guess one other thing came to mind in terms of just uh, students that are looking to get that first job. Um, working with a headhunter does not cost you anything. Uh, we get paid by our clients, so you never have to, you know, be concerned, is this going to cost you? Is this going to affect your salary? Is this going to be a fee? No, none of that. Uh, a client, you know, a, a, an agency will hire us to say, okay, we want to hire a $50,000 new art director. And, you know, hopefully they have a bit of experience from outside of school, but show us the best people that you can find. But uh, anyway, sorry, I lost that. I've been waiting for an opportunity to ask this question. Can, can a student, uh, can a junior, can anyone um, cold email recruiters and headhunters and say, hey, this is who I am. I'm looking for work. And what should, how should they do that if they can? They simply need to send me a note to connect on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, most of the time, I welcome that. I'll happily accept your request and then you can say, hey, I'm looking for my first job. Then I'll get on the phone with you or Zoom and to discuss what do you have in mind in terms of the types of agencies you're interested in? And they'll talk about some of those design companies or ad agencies. And, and it's very important that you as the candidate have done a bit of homework to be able to say, well, I'd love to get a job at this design studio or this ad agency. Here's my top three on my list, on my wish list. Now, that's super important because if you can tell me, the headhunter, that you've already kind of looked at a longer list of shops and 
you've done some homework and you've narrowed it down to my top five design shops, then that helps me go, okay, the person's focused. They are serious about the business. They already know some of the companies that they're interested in. Oh, I actually know somebody at Zulu or I know somebody at Parcel Design or I know somebody at Jackknife Design. And because that's on your list, I could go, well, I could actually help you by reaching out to my, I know the creative director at Jackknife, I'll, I'll give him a call. I'll right. give him or her a call. And I don't even know if they have a job, but maybe I'll try to make an introduction for you. So it's rather than just coming to the headhunter and, well, I'm open to any job, that's really boring to me. Because yeah. you're you're now asking me to do more work because it's like, well, what company, what kind of agency, what design you want? Big you're not stuff. a high school guidance counselor. Exactly, exactly. So do a bit of homework, especially at the beginning of your career. Look at 50 companies, 20 companies, 15 companies and narrow it down to your top five or top 10. That becomes your simple goal list, wish list, focus list. And now I am going to be dogged and I'm going to get through to every one of those 10 companies. And here's another magic thing. When you reach out to those 10 companies and you get connect with somebody, you can say something as simple as, well, you know, BBDO is on my top 10 list and I'd love to be able to share my book and come in and meet somebody. Because you've done homework, and they're going to love that. They're going to go, oh, this person actually knows what they want. They've done some homework. They're excited. Who am I not to give them 15 minutes to have a conversation? Do some homework, and, and uh, it's funny how that all ends up bringing some magic forward because, you know, next thing you know, anyway, you put it out into the ether, right, because you're focused on your top 10. Um, that goal list is massively important. Don't underestimate that. Wow. That's really great to know. Again, it's not just that you, you can shape your career. You kind of have to take that level of control just to get started. And this also goes back to the story and, and to storytelling. If someone comes to James or any headhunter or any CD at an agency, they have to come there with a clear story, a story that includes who you are, what your ideas are, and the stories about where you want to work and why and what ideas uh, attracted you to those places in the first place. Because if you don't have a clear story, you are a puzzle and nobody is here to solve you as a puzzle. Uh, a puzzle isn't useful to a headhunter uh, or an employer um, because they don't know where that puzzle fits or how it fits together. And you can't ask them to figure you out. You need a clear story. That's a, a great vision. Uh, the, the puzzle's really very, very good. You know, people say dream big. Well, you need to dream big. You actually do need to make your list and and don't don't ever shortchange that you can't get into Zulu or you can't get into rethink. Trust me, those people want to hear from you. They are more thirsty than anybody for the best ideas because their benchmarks already way up the ladder. So, you know, Zach at Zulu who created Zulu 
how is he going to continue to move that needle forward? Aaron, who created Rethink and his team, how are they going to continue to move that needle up? Well, they need great thinkers. So, you know, if if you're ballsy enough and have the the confidence to, and you've worked hard at your creative, well, shoot for the top. And and even if you just say, hey, the person at Rethink you're reaching out to, I, I would just love a 15-minute conversation with you. I don't care if you have a job. You are on my wish list in terms of companies, but if we could just have some dialogue. And then they're going to, okay, that's easy. I can I can talk to that person. The, the, I don't have to, they're not worried about getting a job necessarily. I mean, it, it's like, here's a chance to help a young person. Well, you know, surround yourself with the best people. So don't, you know, shoot for the stars a, a thousand percent. Like um, you got nothing to lose, absolutely nothing to lose. But again, just do your homework. You know, you could check out Strategy Magazine online. Um, I mean, strategy in Canada is the heart of industry news and who's moving where and the new creative director just joined this company and this person just left and is going to New York and now we've got a new creative director you know at this design shop and it's Canada but focused it, it is strategy is certainly Canadian focused I mean ad age is certainly out of New York for 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 the US campaign is the magazine for the UK um, but if you just if you're in Canada and you can at least get to know Strategy Magazine and and take the time to to look at the stories there, like you're just going to be far more confident when you do have your interview because you know you're going to have a sense of some of the things going on in the industry and and a creative director may ask, you know, I like what I see in your book. Tell me what what are the three ads that you love that you've seen online or you know, what are three TV spots that you like? Uh, and you might go, well, I like this one, you know, particular one that I've seen in Canada and a couple that run in the U.S., but I, I love this spot that I saw that is running in Sweden. If you say that and you actually can reference a commercial from Copenhagen or London, England, they're going to know, oh, my God, this this person actually cares about the business. They're a student of the business. They love creativity because they just told me about a spot that's running in Sweden that I absolutely love. I want to show that to my creative team. I want to show that to the account team, the strategy team. So, again, that's not rocket science. That's just, oh, what are the top 10 ads in Europe right now? And in 15 seconds, you have three ads that you, oh my God, that's such great thinking. And, you know, as an example, you could put those three links on your resume or on your own own portfolio link. Just imagine when I go onto portfolio link and I see three, four good ideas from your student work that you've done and then you have another section that says my favorite ads around the world i've never even seen that on a portfolio but that's an example of if i'm casting through and i see that 
you know, I'm already thinking this person's got it. Like they care. They're, they're, they're excited. They're, they're doing their homework. They're adding some value by sharing some of these ads. That's such a cool idea. My, my top favorite ads of 2022, just at the bottom of your resume. Yeah. You know, years ago, uh, when I first started interviewing, obviously we weren't doing Zoom interviews. So when I met the person in person, I would say, by the way, uh, bring a bring four or five of your favorite print ads and bring four or five of, you know, crap print ads like the ones that are shit. (laughs) So right away, within five minutes, I would say, hey, let's see the ads that you like. And then they open up and show these four ads. And it's like, we're already talking about ideas. But most importantly is I get to see what they like in good ideas. If, you know, they're showing me stuff that's pretty average that already I'm concerned. It's like, you know, does this person really get good thinking and good ideas? Let me ask some questions about that now. Just just show that you're interested. And if you have to work too hard at this because you're not interested enough in creativity and ideas, then that's okay. Maybe you don't need to continue in the business. It's okay. You know, you may have spent three years at school or two years working hard, but you know, look at, there's lots of great account people that started in design or art direction or copywriting and decided, you know what, I'm not the best writer, but I sure love creative. If I work as a suit, I get to work in strategy. I get to work closer with the client. I get to work with creative. I get to help sell creative. I get, get to, to stay work home with, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I get to work with management. I get to be this liaison that's working in all departments. And listen, as you know, creatives really value great account people. And, you know, if you're not cutting it and you're not feeling like creative's the direction to go and you still love ideas in the world of advertising, put take your ego away and become a suit because you'll always be a better suit because your eye will be better to look at creative, to evaluate creative. As an account person, you'll be better dealing with creative because you understand them uh, and, you know, even – Later, creative directors will appreciate you more because you started in copywriting. I went to send, you know, I went to Centennial for a couple of years. I went to Humber. I went to Sheridan. I studied advertising. I thought I was going to be a designer, realized I was crap, but I love the business. And now I'm a suit, but I actually am a better suit because I have a heart and soul for creative. So, you know, don't check your ego if you decide, hey, Writing and design and art direction is not for me. Uh, that's okay. There's a lot of real need for great strategy and, and good account people. Uh, they they put it all together. We, we have to do it as a team. So um, you've got to trust yourself of where you want to go and what you want to do. And if you need to adjust the rudder, that's just fine. You're just in school and just graduating. You got good time. But take the time to figure it out now and try to hone in on, again, that wish list of what you want to do. Um, and you can always reach out to me. I'm happy for any of your students uh, or listeners to send me a note Um I'd be thrilled to, you know, take a few minutes to help you in any way. Wow, that is that is very generous. I hope people 
hope people take you up on that. Hope listeners take you up on that. Uh, it's just one more way that they can take control of their their career. And I love this this metaphor you just introduced of, of taking the rudder when it comes to your career in creative advertising. And not only have you suggested that, but you've given us so many tools to do that along the way. Have a solid LinkedIn profile with a great image. Know your top agency and their ads. Understand the stories behind them. Understand the stories behind your own work and behind yourself. And be conversant in how all these stories fit together and how they share ideas. Um, reach out to the right people. Be genuine in all of your representations. Know the person interviewing you. Be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they always respect that you've done homework on them and the company. And the minute they detect that you haven't spent 18 seconds on their website before you met them is 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 not good. Like you, you need to show you care and that you've done your homework because, you know, it to not look at Leo Burnett's website and see the 22 clients on their client page. I mean, all the logos are there. You know, you can look at Kellogg's and you can look at TD Bank. You can look at the automotive account. Like they'll ask you, so what do you know about Leo? And you can say, well, God, you, you guys have been do working with Kellogg's for 42 years. Like, how have you kept that tiger on Kellogg's box going for 42 years? Like, they just expect if you want to work for us, have you not found out who we are? Have you not dug into who we are and what some of our challenges are and who our clients are? One good thing to think about is if you're going in to see Leo Burnett, as an example, I mentioned Kellogg's because they've done cereal for Kellogg's for so long. You could also, oh, I'm going in to meet creative director at Leo. Um, or the HR manager, I could look at what cereals are really doing well in Eastern Canada versus Vancouver. Oh, more granola in Vancouver, whatever. But if you have a, an example, there, there may be a big cereal company that's based in London, England, and that's the number one seller in London in the UK. In the conversation, you can say, you know, I was looking at Kellogg's. You guys have been with Kellogg's for 42 years. It kind of made me think about, well, who are the other legendary cereal companies? So I, I just was interested. I did some work about that particular box of cereal in London and the, the, the you know, Sweden and France and Germany. So look at you get the point, right? You, yeah. You're doing homework, but you know what? It still, it, it all kind of still goes back to that why. Like it's why Leo Burnett? Uh, who is Leo Burnett? Oh, Leo Burnett, he used to smoke a pipe. <laughs> like you do the homework on the company and then you might focus in on the Kellogg cereal thing and or the tiger, or, you know, what's Tony the tiger or is that Esso? I mean, whoever, whatever yeah. that lion is or tiger is on the Esso, on the Kellogg box, you know, you can bring that up in the interview. And it's it's a very subtle thing. You're talking about the history of the company, or but what you're really saying to the HR manager at Leo Burnett is that you've actually taken time to already look at some of our clients. You already have a perspective of what we're doing on Kellogg's here, and you've just helped me with perspective of cereal in London and, and Sweden and Germany. And 
wasn't that interesting? Looks like the person does their homework. Well, that's because I do do my homework, right? Yeah. But that homework, it's not rocket science. You know, it just relates to the company you're being interviewed by. And that's a really important point because when you go into the interview, you are more relaxed and you are more confident because you got all this stuff up your sleeve. You're an actor. You rehearse. Yeah. It makes it a hell of a lot easier if you've reviewed the notes. Yeah, and 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 you may do two hours of research before that big interview at Leo, and there may only be one little nugget that comes oh, out yeah. in your sleeve, but and it will be the point of difference that gets you hired too. Yep. Because oh, they may yeah. have two great art directors, but at the end of the day, I look look what she talked about in terms of our company. She, she shows more interest. Both the books are pretty damn good. We could go either way, but this person cared more about us and did more homework on us. Well, guess who we're going with? If you know that while you're a student, then you can steer your student work towards designing things for the the client of the employer that you want to work with, the agency that you want to work with. Just another example of where thinking about the future and, and starting as soon as possible to figure out where you may or may not want to go is a huge advantage because, you know, it just so happens that we do a project for Kellogg's. If you did an amazing Kellogg's project and you apply at Leo Burnett, it's like, well, that's not going to hurt having that portfolio piece. Oh, absolutely not. They, they may see a little, a, a, a little idea there that they, they want to talk about further because they could actually use it. It doesn't even have to be work. It doesn't even have to be, I think, design related because Leo Burnett also, they do a thing at the Yacht Club, Royal Canadian Yacht Club here in Toronto. Well, if you've ever been in a boat or put on a life jacket, now you have something to talk about. Another interesting thing you can learn about Leo just by visiting their website is they seem to hold themselves to a high accessibility standard because all of their videos have transcripts that are really easy to get at. There's just like a button. You click the button and you can read the transcripts. So there's so much more than just the latest ad campaign. Um, there's all kinds of ways to connect with other people and you can use that. Sorry, so you're saying that Leo Burnett has kind of a day where they take people over to to sale, like it's kind of like a a, a team building thing where they go to, to the RCYC? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So, that's just on their website. So, you know, it's not like, um, it's something they're clearly proud of and something that if they're showing it to me, I assume it's because they want to be identified with that activity. And so all I need to do is identify with that activity. As long as it's genuine, again, it has to yeah. always be genuine. Yeah. You're going to be at least partly in the club, although the work is super important. It's more than just the work. Yeah. I mean, it is all part of fit factor, right? Yes. I don't know if we need to unpack what fit factor means. Well, it's again, it's just, do we like you and, and, you know, can you kind of fit the culture of who we are? And people just want to work with great people. And, and, uh, uh, if you've sort of, showed that you've dug into who we are and you've come to meet us and it it shows that you understand who we are as a company and appreciate our legendary work we've done over the years but you know we're only as good as our last great idea and you know they they are more thirsty today than ever for for better ideas and people are friendly and they want to get good talent on their desk yeah well we all want to help each other and and um you know listen i I, if this was accounting headhunting i i wouldn't be sitting here because i i couldn't do that job (laughs) yeah okay well i mean either way we we do appreciate you 
helping and coming by and, and just taking the time to do this. Um, I know it takes a lot of time to record these. So yeah, th thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I hope we can have you back sometime and I hope, uh, I know that we will cross paths in the future and, and we'll be in touch about, um, design and creativity and, and the creative world, uh, for a long time to come. Well, thanks, Eric. That was a lot of fun. I totally appreciate it. Thank you so much, James. Pleasure to have you. And um, yeah, we're really lucky. So thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. So am I. Thank you.